We want to talk today about hedonistic America. That is America, the citizens have become so addicted to pleasure and pleasure only, hedonism, that we are throwing away the best country that has been established since the time of Adam and Eve. Well, we'll talk about hedonism. I have a special segment that I want to talk about regarding even our own Senator Ted Cruz and what he had to say regarding homosexuality taking place in Uganda and also some things regarding homosexuality and how it was, how it became commonplace in America. Before all of that, however, I do want to talk about something taking place right here in the state of Texas, and that is with our own Attorney General, Ken Paxton. As you probably know, Ken Paxton has been impeached by the House of Representatives in the state of Texas. And so they approved the impeachment proceedings, sent shockwaves throughout the United States, throughout the state of Texas. But I want to say this, I, I don't know all of the facts of the case, and people are going to say, okay, right there is the issue, you don't know the facts. Well, but I do know something else, and that is, if you're familiar with what's going on as far as our cultural wars in this country, and seeing it is the case that we have the leftists, the, the Marxists, the socialists, who are always, always ruining and destroying the lives of those people who are constitutionalists and strong conservatives, this is going to raise a big red flag in your mind. It's going to raise a question mark in your mind. I want you to think for just a moment about the impeachment proceedings that have been taking place. Number one, it's highly irregular because of the fact that the members of the House, led by opposition leaders, secretly investigated Ken Paxton, and almost now for eight weeks it's been going on. We haven't seen an impeachment committee impaneled. We did not hear testimony of people that were under oath. We have no sworn declarations. Not a single question was asked of the speaker that was answered with confidence. And here's what Representative Brian Harrison of District 10 posted. He made an official public statement. This was probably about two days ago. Less than 48 hours ago, he writes, and with no warning, we had a resolution containing 20 articles of impeachment literally dropped on our desks, along with nothing more than a transcript of one single public hearing. Most of these allegations have been litigated in the criminal justice system for many years, and not a shred of anything even closely approximating new and sufficient evidence has presented to this body. Now, not only has the impeachment proceedings been highly irregular, but I want you just to think for a moment about the strong constitutional conservative stance that Ken Paxton has made. By the way, because there were Republicans on the side of those who are bringing the impeachment proceeding and even dominated by Republicans, that means absolutely nothing. It means nada in this cultural war that we are in. We are now in a cultural war for our lives, for our soul in America. And if people do not recognize that to be the case, then I have nothing more to say to you. I don't, I don't know what in the world would do, be to, to convince you of it, but we have an absolute cultural war for the soul of America. And it's always the case that the liberals, the socialists, the Marxists, such as our president, Joe Biden, who has already it has already been proven, shown, that he has been in bed with China, 
illegally taking money from China, having shell corporations and organizations by which the country of China would give him money. And that goes back to other Democrats such as Bill Clinton and even George W. Bush uh, legislated some things or passed through some legislation as president, that is, signed them into law, things that benefited Red China. But that's been going on for a long time. But the point is, all of this with Joe Biden is not only irregular, but it is illegal. He's been in bed with China many, many years. Yet, on the other hand, conservatives, they seem to be the only ones that ever they're ever indicted, they're the only ones that are ever brought onto charges, such as Donald Trump, just throwing roadblocks in his way continually. The state of New York, other other district attorneys in liberal bastions, they also want to throw roadblocks in Donald Trump's way. Well, the same thing exactly is happening right here in the state of Texas with Ken Paxton. Consider these facts for just a moment. Number one, Ken Paxton is not only a strong constitutionalist, but he's a friend of Donald Trump. He's one of his most ardent supporters. He's one of the most assertive anti-Biden district attorneys or state attorneys in the entire country, or attorney generals in the entire country. That's Ken Paxton. Not only so, but Twitter, this, this multinational corporation, has filed a complaint against him in 2021 for probing its moderation policies. He himself was interested in what are they doing at Twitter that continue to moderate conservatives and shut them out of the free course of discussion. And he wanted to investigate them for their abuse of power. But Twitter complained that he's harassing us. He told Biden also, point blank, he said, through the news media, you are not going to undo the Second Amendment on my watch in the state of Texas. You know very well that Ken Paxton is hated. He is loathed by the left. He opposed the Obergefell decision. Since it violates the Constitution, that would be the homosexual decision. He also, of course, sued the states of Pennsylvania, Georgia, Michigan, Wisconsin, challenging the election results of 2000 because unconstitutionally, they themselves changed the election laws from the governorship or the governor's office instead of through the legislative process as those state constitutions call for. So he called for an investigation into these and he sued these particular states for it. Do you know the government officials in those states, they also absolutely loathed Ken Paxton. March of 2021. It was through the leadership of Ken Paxton, Texas was to provide a counterweight to the Biden unconstitutional acts, specifically regarding our border. He himself was, matter of fact, they, in the state of Texas, Ken Paxton had led the way in deporting illegals. And it was Paxton who was the point of the spear, but it was the Biden administration who got in to stop it. Not only that, but Ken Paxton has fought for the dignity of the unborn. He was also investigating Big Pharma for misleading the public while, it, while promoting, of course, puberty blockers for young people and children. He was also supportive of the Keystone Pipeline. And he sued Biden, along with the Attorney General of the state of Montana, Austin Nudston, 
in order to open up the Keystone Pipeline. Now this and much more, Paxton has led the way in conservative values in the conservative, conservative march for freedom. And it is because of his conservative values that he is being attacked even by Republicans who are neocons, as far as I am able to tell, in the state of Texas for what they say are his unconstitutional acts. Well, we will see what takes place. But when we see a conservative such as Ken Paxton attacked, then you can mark it down that we have not only big pharma, big government, Marxist, Twitter, Joe Biden, and the entire corpus of our Marxist government pushing against him. We'll be back in a moment. I told you at the first that we were going to talk about hedonism in America. That would be people seeking pleasure, their own will instead of God's will, and that has become a dominant theme right here in our own country. Not only so, but we have it right here in the state of Texas. Now, in this particular segment, I want to review a couple of things that were said by even conservative Senator Ted Cruz, who I'm surprised that he would make such a statement as he did when he joined Joe Biden in condemning a recent law that was passed in the East African nation of Uganda. Now, what happened in Uganda? Well, the new law in Uganda prescribes life imprisonment for homosexual behavior and the death penalty for aggravated homosexuality. So what is exactly aggravated homosexuality? Well, according to the Ugandan law, it includes same-sex rape, sex procured by intimidation, serial offenders, sex with persons over 75, sex with the disabled or mentally ill. And under the provisions of the new law, promotion of homosexual behavior, such as is fostered in our own public school systems via drag queen hour and so forth, is punishable by imprisonment for up to 20 years. If you foster or try to further or promote homosexual behavior in Uganda, then there is imprisonment for you up to 20 years. And Ugandans stand firmly on this. And this resolution, by the way, was passed overwhelmingly by the majority in their constitutional system. They said, we are not going to tolerate the normalization of homosexuality. Shocking to me, sad to me, is our own Senator Ted Cruz, whom I thought was a strong constitutionalist and one who bases his beliefs on biblical concepts, joined Joe Biden. That ought to tell you something's wrong here. Here's what Ted Cruz tweeted. This was, I think, Tuesday of this week. This Uganda law is horrific and it is wrong. Any law criminalizing homosexuality or imposing the death penalty for aggravated homosexuality is grotesque and an abomination. Continuing, Cruz said this, all civilized nations should join together in condemning this human rights abuse. Isn't it interesting that human rights now has trumped moral code, that human rights has trumped what is the biblical standard of right and wrong, and we are now considering what, what is human rights and how now that has trumped anything that has to do with a moral code. Now, before we come back to Ted Cruz, let's consider a moment the Bible. 
Ted Cruz made a, an interesting comment. He said, the law in Uganda, you heard this statement that we read a moment ago, is horrific and wrong, and he said, it is grotesque and abomination. Now, what is an abomination? Abomination is that which is exceedingly detestable, particularly on religious grounds. And the Bible uses the word abomination. I thought it was interesting that Cruz uses the word abomination regarding the law against homosexuality in Uganda. Now, let's just for a moment, just to make it very, very simple, let's line up what the Bible teaches regarding homosexuality, and then we'll take Cruz's comments on Uganda's law applied to the Bible. The Bible teaches in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22, that you shall not lie with mankind as with womankind. That is homosexuality, and that is, and here's the word, abomination. Levit Leviticus 20 and verse 13, if a man lies with another man as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination and they shall surely be put to death. You see, not all sin in the Bible is the same sin. Many people mistake that, even Bible students mistake that concept, but not all sin is the same sin. Even our Lord had this to say, he that has delivered me unto you, speaking to Pilate, has greater sin. There is aggravated sin, and there are degrees of sin. And not all sin is considered an abomination in the Old Testament. So in biblical terms, only a few crimes against God are categorized as an abomination. That means something that is loathed on religious grounds. Now before we move to the New Testament for just a moment, think about what the Bible teaches regarding homosexuality. Homosexuality is an abomination. That's number one. Number two, homosexuality received the death penalty in the Old Testament. Ted Cruz comes along and says, any law that imposes criminalization of homosexuality, let alone the death penalty, criminalizes homosexuality is an abomination. I ask you the question, whom will you believe? God's Word or Ted Cruz? You see, Ted Cruz himself is way off the beam right here, and this doesn't even touch the hem of the garment speaking about why are we in, inserting ourselves into Uganda and telling Ugandans how to live their lives and what kind of laws they should live by. No, according to the Bible, Uganda is more in line with God's Word than is America, and Ted Cruz has at least in this case, drunk too much of Americanism or what is going on in American today, America today in order to see clearly on the issue. What does the New Testament teach on homosexuality? In Romans 1, 26 and 27, homosexuality is described as an unnatural sin, a vile passion, the practice of which excludes one from the kingdom of God. And it causes God to give up a nation. As a matter of fact, if you look at the text in Romans 1, verses 24, verse 26, verse 28, you'll see three times in that text, God gave them up to do those things that are not fitting. God gave them up unto vile passions. And even as they refused to have God in their knowledge, he gave them up 
unto uncleanness. That's verse 28. Those statements ring loud and clear and the very opposite of what Ted Cruz has had to say. That's why in America it used to be that homosexuality was classified as a crime. And that is because Americans were influenced by God's holy inspired word. But now we have learned better than God's word and Ted Cruz leads the way. Consider it again. The Bible prescribes the death penalty in the Old Testament for homosexual behavior and that behavior is called an abomination before God. Ted Cruz says, no, that Old Testament, any, any law criminalizing homosexual behavior, that law of the Old Testament is an abomination. That's where he stands. That's what's going on in our country. So what do we have? The Bible, according to Cruz, is abominable, grotesque, horrific, and wrong. You see, ladies and gentlemen, this is what occurs when we become intoxicated on our own ideas of what is a human right and what is not a human right. And when we are motivated more by what the United Nations tells us than what the Bible tells us. And Ted Cruz has abandoned God's criterion in adopting what is a human right. So what we need to do, we need to educate men such as Cruz and other conservatives who have no business no business inserting themselves into Uganda anyway. What are we doing? By the way, have you noticed what happened when we inserted ourselves into South Africa? Remember apartheid? What happened there? What, what, what's apartheid? Well, apartheid was that it was a, a white government and those that were governed were the blacks, Africans, blacks. Now the white Africans, they were the ones that were governing and the blacks were the governed. But that was called apartheid, and America, we couldn't stand it. That was just terrible. That's racism. And we had nothing but preachers and everybody jumping all over themselves, up and down, talking about we've got to do something about what's going on in South Africa. So we got rid of, we put the pressure on, we put the screws on them. Now what's happening in South Africa? You know what's happening in South Africa right now? Yeah, we got rid of that kind of law and order that was there. And now they're dragging farm owners, farmers, landowners, they're dragging the black governing body now, dragging these others out of their homes, stealing their lands, torturing the people, and destroying them. The land is in chaos. America caused that because we inserted ourselves trying to impose our grotesque, our own grotesque concepts of what is right and wrong on another country. We have no business doing that, and Ted Cruz had no business jumping in on that, particularly joining Joe Biden. You know what? If Joe Biden comes out and says something, I would think twice about saying, yeah, he's right, and I'm going to join him on that. We'll be back in a moment. I want to thank you, those of you who have supported Patriotic Pulpit, which the show is called, and you've supported it on the website, American Liberty with Bill Lockwood. There's a donate button there. You can go and support the program, and, and so many of you have supported us kept us afloat because if it were not for your support, even just nickel and diming it, we would not be able to be on the air. And I thank you so much for that. If you want to support us, the website is American Liberty with Bill Lockwood. There's a donate button there. You can go and donate and it goes into a PayPal account and I'd be able to, to keep this program afloat. 
And we are also on Spotify app. You can find us Patriotic Pulpit on Spotify. You can find us also on Amazon Music app as well. So those are the two apps where we are currently, hopefully to spread out to have more. Now the articles that I write, you can find them on the News Talk 1290 website, and that is right here in Wichita Falls, News Talk 1290. I have articles that are there, and there are a lot of articles that are posted by other people, but uh, you can sift through those, read through them, whatever you want to do, but my articles are there as well. Now also, in order to, to, to follow any other things that I say, what I teach, what I believe the Bible teaches, there's another website that I have things on, and that's the iowaparkcoc.org. iowaparkcoc.org, that's Iowa Park Church of Christ stands for, .org website, and there you have all my sermons, you have bulletin articles that I've written, you've had classes that I'm teaching, teaching on the book of Revelation right now, which is something perhaps we ought to address right here on the program because so many wild and unbiblical and unscriptural theories are taught regarding the book of Revelation, but that's what we're teaching in Bible class right now. Not only so, but the sermons are there, so you can find all my material on those websites, and that would be iowaparkcoc.org, as well as American Liberty with Bill Lockwood and the News Talk 1290 website. And the Patriotic Pulpit, you can find it on Amazon Music as well as the Spotify app. Now, have you ever noticed how the left is always talking about science, but they're the most anti-science corner of the world? The leftists, the Marxists, the neocons, they're so anti-science. If you have any question about that, if you have a doubt regarding that, you might just think about, okay, how about the abortion issue? What's going on with the abortion issue? Well, the left is for abortion, even up to the time that a child is born. But what does science and medicine actually say? Well, it has been, it has been well-known, established fact. This is not simply theory. Established fact that life begins at conception. The biblical view is the medical and scientific view also that in the womb is a child. That's Psalms 127, verses 13 through 15. That's science. But what does the left do? They're anti-science. They don't care that life is in the womb. They want to destroy that life. And so it causes us to be in a topsy-turvy world as to what is life and what is not life and who's punished. And if someone uh, has a crash and you injure a woman that is with child, then is the child, is, is that going to be manslaughter if the child dies, the baby in the womb? Well, yeah, that's going to be manslaughter. Well, but if that woman goes and takes that baby to the abortion clinic and kills it, then that's not manslaughter. We just get so confused in all of that because of leftism is so anti-science. Here's another area in which they're anti-science. How about transgenderism? There are only two different genders, male and female. That is, that's so simplistic. It seems almost absurd to even talk about it. But right now, if you're in a public school system, in some places, by matter of fact, there's a case in California. No, no, I think it's Florida right now. In Florida, no less, Governor DeSantis' state, where a young man comes to school saying there's only two genders, male and female, he's expelled from school. Isn't that crazy? Because after all, you may want to speak your mind, but if someone else is offended by it, then you can't say it. Boy, we have lost the First Amendment. We've lost 
the other amendments as well. We have disregarded the Tenth Amendment. We, we have trashed the Ninth Amendment. We don't care about all of these other amendments, and now the First Amendment's going too. We don't care. We, 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 we can't wear that to school. You can't say that. Isn't that absurd? That's leftism for you. That's the leftist. Those are the socialists. Those are the professors in college. Those are those that are professorships and the, the, the world of academia and these college kids marching out, goose-stepping out, saying, no, we can't say they're two genders. You know, it's like, what, what have they been learning? Well, apparently nothing but pabulum. And how about this one? How about homosexuality? We've talked about that in the segment just pre previous to this. Homosexuality, that is, homosexuals have pushed for years and years and years to try to find what they call a gay gene. A homosexual gene, that is, something in the genetic makeup of individuals that shows that a person is homosexual. But, you know, they can't find that. It's not there. There is... There's an absence of evidence on that entirely. The same thing in environmentalism. Environmentalism, that it's a big political football, and they say, well, the world's going to end in the next five years. Jane Fonda's been on the news recently talking about, we've got to do something and jail people who are for a free enterprise because, after all, the, uh, the free market has caused and industrialization has caused the environmental crisis that we're in. I deny we're in a crisis. But the left says, you know what? We don't want science. We don't need science. This is just the doctrine. It's doctrine. That's all it is. So on and on you go, and the left is completely anti-science. Well, let's go back to the issue of homosexuality for a moment. Homosexuality, for a long time, was considered to be, number one, a sin. And that, of course, comes from the biblical viewpoint. That's exactly what the Bible teaches. It's sinful behavior. It is a choice that people make. But along comes the world of psychotherapy. Psychotherapy said, okay, what we're going to do is we'll put it in the DSM, the Diagnostic and Statistic Manual, and we'll put it in there as a mental disorder. So they put it in there as a mental disorder. Well, that, that's the way it rode for a long time, and until the 1950s and when... The 1950s came, then hedonism began to come on, which is what we're talking about today. And then you have these homosexual activists who just were so frustrated because they wanted it to be taken out of the DSM manual. It's not a mental disorder. It's not a problem. It's nothing like that. We're born this way. Do they have evidence? No, there's no evidence of that. There's still no evidence of that. They say, well, it's in our genes. No, there's no evidence of that either. And nothing to do with science. And even in the 1950s and 60s, they began a huge campaign to remove from the DSM manual in the world of psychotherapy and psychiatry, homosexuality as a mental disorder. Well, how did that go down? Now, you might think, once again, science on one hand, and what I'm about to describe to you and see, is this exactly how science works? Well, in 1973, it was removed, homosexuality was, from the DSM manual by a vote of 5,854 psychiatrists to 3,810, and they took it out of a diagnostic category, and homosexuality was eliminated. But it was the result of a hardball, bare-knuckle campaign, political campaign, aggressively 
led by men such as Frank Kamini, activist who got into the APA convention in San Francisco, California, upended it. As a matter of fact, 1970 in San Francisco, homosexual activists disrupted the conference, interrupting speakers, shouting down and ridiculing psychiatrists who viewed homosexuality as a mental disorder. 1971 convention, homosexual activist Frank Kamini worked with the Gay Liberation Front to demonstrate against the APA convention. At that convention, Kamini grabbed the microphone during the conference, yelled in it, psychiatry is the enemy incarnate. Psychiatry has waged relentless war of extermination against us. You may take this as a declaration of war against you. Now, does that sound like, let's go back to the drawing board and let's see whether or not there's any medical reason for a person to be homosexual? Does that sound like that we're going to go to the laboratory and discover what is in the human genome as to whether or not a person is homosexual? No. No, not only does it not sound like it, anybody who has half sense and half ability to see recognizes this has nothing to do with science. It has everything to do with politics, and that's the only thing. So he organized what was called the D.C. Mattachine Society, that would be Khomeini, and it was set up by, incidentally, in 1950 by communists initially. So now he's in the communist organization. Now, why would, how, how does that work? How does, how does communism tie into homosexuality? Oh, now you're seeing the picture, because communism is about overturning America. And the way to overturn America is to erode its moral standard, its moral base. Therefore, you have got to get these kinds of things, such as homosexuality, accepted, by and large, in the society. You've got to get the Ted Cruz's of the world on board so as to hit Uganda on the head with their board and say, you've got to stop this mimicking the Bible. You have got to accept homosexuality. And that's exactly what Khomeini did. So by 1973, Khomeini, as well as several psychiatrists, were actually asked, because now they're weak as water, the psychiatrists, they're weak as water in San Francisco, and they were asked, Khomeini and several others of his homosexual activist group, to meet in a, in a conference, and they, would, and they would be able to speak to the entire APA convention. And they removed, in 1973, homosexuality, homosexuality from the abnormal behavior category. So the vote was finally taken by the entire membership, and that's where we are today. So today, not only do you have conservatives, such as Ted Cruz, siding with the homosexuals, but you have Disneyland promoting homosexuality promoting homosexuals in much of their material, whether you're going to Disneyland in Florida, Disneyland in California, whether you're looking at the movies. I have several articles in front of me. Here's one. That is Disney Greenlights, a show about a girl carrying Satan's baby. And another one is this. A man in a dress greets girls at Disneyland boutique. And it just goes on and on and on with this regarding Disneyland. That's what's happening in America absolutely destroying 
any kind of moral fabric, moral standards that we have in this country as to what is right and wrong. We'll be back in a moment. I want to change gears for just a little bit, and I want to talk about a Thomas Jefferson education. I have in my hand a book by Oliver Van DeMille, who is the founder of George Wythe University. He is also a past president of George Wythe University and has written a book regarding Teaching a Generation of Leaders a Thomas Jefferson Education for the 21st Century. It's about creating Christian value-based leaders in America. And what kind of education do we need in order to create that? It's a fabulous book in which he has laid out for us, step-by-step, step, what we need to have not only a classical education, but a good biblical education and, and people who are self-educators. You know, in the educational system in which I have spent 22 years in the state of Texas, they talk about creating people who are self-educators. Well, how is that going to actually be accomplished unless you, have, unless you have quality educators that inspire young people that they can go on and want to educate themselves in the future? But that's really not taking place in our educational system today. Not at all. As a matter of fact, the way, the way that Van DeMille begins this book, he says, education, that is, speaking about public education, cannot be fixed. And for two reasons. Number one, education is so many things to so many people. For some, education means job training. For others, it means fixing social problems. Others see it as education or job security. Others see it as a source of political clout, and that's what we're seeing right now in the public school system throughout America. That is, we're seeing indoctrination, not education. So that's the first thing. That is, education means many different things to many people. Number two, he points out, the problems of education seem varied and complex, but the complexity is a myth rooted in a modern misconception about education and educators. And the fact is that the only person who can fix education is the student himself. We've talked about this on the program very recently. For example, the Houston ISD. The Houston ISD has just recently been taken over by the Texas Education Association. And the reason is because the test scores, the academic achievement of certain schools in the Houston area, such as Wheaton High School, are abysmal to, be, to say the very best. We have a high school, Wheaton High School, which is 50% black, 50% Mexican, Hispanic, and then we have maybe two or three white students, we have two or three uh, Hawaiian students, and, but the test scores are absolutely cratering at the bottom. And finally, TEA says we need to step into it. But here's the interesting thing, and the reason I mentioned it is because TEA stated that the problem is not the superintendent of the Houston ISD. The problem is not the teachers because they're doing a great job. And I don't doubt that that's true. Teachers have to do a lot of tap dancing anymore because of what they have in the classroom. And he says, or the TEA says, and one of the spokesmen tells us, well, the problem is not the students either because the students are able to learn. Well, I don't doubt that the students are able to learn, but that's really the issue. And the issue is not whether they're able to learn 
yes or no. The issue is, are they willing to learn and do they have the discipline at home that they bring into the school that they're able to learn and sit disciplined-like and listen to a teacher and be instructed by some of the inspiring teachers that we have. So that's the issue. Education can only be fixed by the student, but the student is produced by the home. And the home is produced, a good home, when we have a mother and a father who honor God and teach respect for authority because if a child does not respect authority, I don't care what kind of good teaching you have, I don't care what kind of academia you might have in the teacher, there is no learning going to take place. If a person doesn't respect authority, then that is a lost cause. And that's exactly what Van de Mille basically tells us right here. So on one of the pages, he tells us something pretty interesting, and I want you to notice what it is. And he tells us, reflecting upon Alan Bloom's book, I don't know if you've read Alan Bloom. Alan Bloom uh, wrote a book in 1987. He was a University of Chicago teacher, and he wrote a book called The Closing of the American Mind. It was just absolutely a fabulous book. I had to go back and read it again, and had to go back and take notes on it because it was so uh, academically oriented, and I was not. So I thought, okay, I've got to figure out how, what he's saying. But I tell you what, it was just one of the best reads that I've made in my adult life. The Closing of the American Mind by Alan Bloom. And so Van, uh, Van DeMille tells us, and he goes through the same book, Alan Bloom, and he summarizes a couple of points in it. And I want you to notice what he has to say regarding education in America. He says, Alan Bloom analyzes our country and our educational prowess in the following terms. He says, three points stand out to me. Number one, societies are successful when, they, when the people choose to be good, when people choose excellence, when they choose not mediocrity but choose excellence, then a society is good. So they have to choose to be good. Number two, People choose to be good when they're taught to believe in good. When people are taught what is right and wrong, that there is a standard of morality that cannot be removed, then they are acquainted with that standard and they are taught to believe in that standard, then they choose to be good and they choose to stand to that standard and they are taught what is right and wrong. The third thing is that that which determines how well a student will do, or students, and how well they be, will be taught, is their national books. What do they read? What do they put into their mind? What is it that you're ingesting into your soul? So, for example, the National Book of America, for over a century and a half, was, as you know, the Bible. And Alan Bloom tells us when he was in the 1950s, at the University of Chicago, he would ask the incoming class, the freshmen, and the sophomores and juniors and seniors, he would ask them, what are the, what are the, real, the real books, the national books that have influenced you, or the national, the national material that has influenced you, and you consider to be the standards of America? And the answer in the 1950s, get this, was 
the Bible, number one, and number two, the Declaration of Independence. The Bible and the Declaration of Independence by Thomas Jefferson. And of course, endorsed by our founding fathers and crafted together as the basis of our government. Now that was what they said in the 1950s. But now, when things moved to the 1960s, he said things began to change. He said, as a matter of fact, no longer do they look to the Bible as the fountain of truth or the Declaration of Independence and our Constitution as a source of absolutes. But in the 1960s, it began to change. He says they had no national books. There was no books, no, no reading material at all that they considered to be standard from which they drew on a fountain of truth. Nothing. It was an empty paucity. Then we move into the 1970s and 80s. He said, what do they say? They didn't care about, they didn't even know about the Bible. They began to disregard and despise the Bible and dis disregard the Declaration of Independence. And what do they rely on? Rock and roll music. What does John Lennon have to say? What, do, what does Paul McCartney have to say in this particular song? How about the Hare Krishna that they sing about? How about the hedonism that they preached? How about the smoking dope that they always talk about in the songs in the 60s and 70s? How about getting high? That became their standard of morality. That became their standard. That became their national book, so to speak. He says, if you want to test it, he said, attack verbally the Bible in the 1950s, and you'll see the students are very defensive of the Bible. But you attack John Lennon today, Paul McCartney today, you attack ACDC today, and you're going to get the same passionate responses from people who believe that these are their national books. The point is that we have become a hedonistic society. Friedrich Nietzsche, even no less, said this. He said it used to be that when people got up in the morning, they had their morning prayer and a morning devotional. Today they have, and they read the morning paper. And even it has moved further than that today. We don't read in the paper. We just watch the news and that's it for the day. That has become our national book. So what, what do we need to do? We need to get back to number one, studying the Bible, recognizing it as the fountain of truth, the standard of morality by which we need to order our lives. We need to recognize the great classics that reflect biblical values, classics that are there available for us. Not only the classics of literature, but the classics of our own American founding, such as the Constitution and the Declaration of Independence. If we're going to save America, this is the only method. It is the only way. And get back to living according to biblical standards.